Hello, Night Nation, and welcome back to the Nightcap Podcast. Very excited to be bringing you the latest news and notes on the UCF football team after a brief hiatus. Uh, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. I'm your host, Sean Stewart. I'm here with my co-host, Tony Cummings. How you doing, Tony? Doing good, man. Excited to be back. Excited to talk about UCF football. What's up, Night Nation? What a time to be a night. Got so much to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the Gus bus keeps rolling. Recruiting has never been in a better spot. I feel like every single time we show up to do one of these episodes, I'm saying something like that. But I genuinely feel like the news just keeps getting better and better. Um, you know, with that, we have uh, just a couple of things going on in, in, in Night Nation that we want to address. Uh, then moving after that, talk about all the recruits we've had on campus. And um, then especially talk about that awesome spring game uh, this past Saturday. Yeah, speaking of good news, I mean, what a nice sighting to hear that Dante Culpepper was at the UCF Alumni Golf Tournament. I mean, we all love Dante. If you know, you know. I mean, Dante put UCF on the map. So glad to see him back. I mean, he's honestly kind of been um, he's been on a hiatus from the team. So it's just nice to see him be a part of UCF Nation right now. Yeah, Dante, Dante is a UCF legend, uh, one of the best players we've ever seen here at UCF. And uh, you're absolutely right. It's, it's uh, you know, he's a much more low-key individual, it seems like. He doesn't spend a lot of time around the, uh, around the football team. Uh, but to see him at an alumni event and, uh, and hanging out with Blake Bortles and some of those other players from the past, uh, it's encouraging. You think maybe he's more involved moving forward? I mean, it's just rumors or speculation, but there was talks that um... – you know, he wasn't really happy with the previous, uh, let's just say, management or didn't like the way he was getting treated or, or whatnot. It might just be rumors, but who knows? I mean, he was gone for a while, so just who knows what to think. But what I will say is, yeah, man, Night Nation loves Dante Culpepper. I mean, before they did rankings, he would have been a five-star quarterback. I mean, the guy was a top – I think it was number one overall. Am I correct, or was he just a top pick? Uh, he was he was a, he was the top pick, but I don't think he was number one. Okay, overall. but he definitely went in the first round of the mm-hmm. Vikings. That's for sure. I mean, and he was a legit player in the NFL, man. Um, and I I know Dante from when I went to school. He came to speak at my school, so I've always been a fan of his. And you know, you know he's he was always a good mentor to the children. Um, so yeah, good football player, legend. Glad to see him back. Absolutely, very loyal. Um, you know, to the Central Florida area and. Uh, you know, anytime we get a chance to, to catch him at a UCF event, we're, we're happy to see him. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about there's, you know, some, a lot of good news in Night Nation right now. Uh, but there has been a couple of things that that maybe haven't gone our way. And uh, we'll, we'll start out with that with some transfers that we've seen out of, uh, of UCF over the last week or so. Um, you know, starting right off the bat, we've seen Parker Navarro. Uh, transfer or enter the transfer portal. Um, you know, he did not get a chance to participate in the spring game, having uh, a broken collarbone, I believe, uh, during uh, one of the spring practices. So, I mean, I guess I understand his, his situation, where he fits on the depth chart, and why he might be looking for an opportunity to, to get some meaningful playing time. Uh, after that, we've got Cole Joyce, uh, the linebacker. Uh, he, he signed on to join the Knights uh, before... Um, Gus Malzahn took over last year, so he signed with Heupel, and then Heupel um, took the job at Tennessee. So I guess I understand that one a little bit. But the big one that I definitely want to make sure we touch on here is Jalen Robinson, Jay Flash, has uh, entered the transfer portal, uh, You know, especially considering how he performed in the spring game. It was a, it was a shock to, I think, a lot of the fan base. Uh, you know, why he might be doing this, why the timing might not, you know, be favorable. 
Um, you know, what do you think of some of those transfers? Well, I think uh, the first two guys, well, I'll just start with Parker Navarro. I mean, he was at the bottom of the depth chart. I'm kind of shocked he transferred even though he's injured because, I don't know, when you're injured and you're looking for a team, I think it's hard for a team to take a chance on you. So, I mean, but good luck to him. But uh, he was definitely at the bottom of the depth chart, so I guess not a big loss. But at the same time, you always want to have as many QEs as possible. And he did play last year. But anyway, uh, Cole Joyce. Um Kind of bummed about it because I know he was a great tackler in high school in Arkansas. Had a lot of stats up there. I thought with our death, with our death situation, I mean, not good to lose another linebacker right now. I know that he probably wasn't in the first or second rotation, and that's probably his reason for wanting the transfer. He's probably at the bottom of the depth chart. But, you know, you never know. You got to stick around sometimes, and sometimes, you know, you know the playbook, and you got to wait for your shot, you know. but You know, you make a great point there. Our linebacker depth, you know, we've been talking about it all offseason. We lost Tatum Bethune to the transfer portal. He's He committed to Florida State, and when that happened, uh, you know, we were looking for somebody like a Cole Joyce to step up, and, you know, we were a little thin. Um, we do have a couple transfers coming in, most notably Terrence Mitchell. Yeah, Terrence um, Terrence Lewis has come in, but you know he has been injured, and you know we'll we'll have to see how much he can contribute in his first year with the team. So it, it is it's a light linebacker room. Do, do you think that now with this transferring out, that now we should be on the lookout for another transfer portal addition at the linebacker position? Absolutely, I thought we were going to be in addition, maybe one. I think now we need two, just for the depth. Because mm-hmm. uh, even after the spring game, I'd still say that that is our, uh, not talent-wise, but just depth-wise, uh, because of experience, it's, we're kind of we're hurting there. Yeah, and, and I think this coaching staff has been more than willing to dip into the transfer portal to fill in need positions. Obviously, they'd prefer to get the high school recruits that they can grow and mold to fit their system. But at the end of the day, you know, every year is important when it comes to trying to win a conference championship and you got to fill holes. And so given, I mean, if you, if you heard our uh, recruiting episode uh, here on our podcast, you heard us talk about how we had essentially the same number of transfer recruits as we had high school recruits. And so given the track record in the portal, wouldn't surprise me one bit if in the next week or two, we start hearing about some players potentially joining UCF from the portal. Agreed. And honestly, uh, I mean, I mean, we're going to take, I guess, whatever talent we can get. But if they're strategic, that's really where they need to focus on, mm-hmm. linebackers. Well, uh, you know, now I think the elephant in the room, we got to address, uh, you know, Jalen Robinson. His, uh, his, his transferring, uh, you know, I think shocked a lot of Night Nation. Um, you know, I think, you know, even at the end of the season, maybe it wouldn't have been as surprising uh, for him to consider a transfer. But the fact that he made it through spring and then had such an amazing performance in the spring game, I think the timing's a little weird, don't you think? So the timing's bad, especially for the fan base, because we just saw him play. He had a great spring game. You know, we're thinking, all right, we got Rock, Jay Flash, Jay Hudson. I mean, we're, you know, these guys are going to be rock stars this season. So we're ready to go. We're so pumped. And then, like, less than a week later, Jay Flash talking about, I'm going to go into the transfer portal. So the fan base, from what I've seen, they're torn. It's 50-50. Some are like, hey, we're deep, good riddance, it's fine. It's going to open an opportunity for other players. And some of the fan base is really torn, really pissed off. <laughs> One of my buddies texts me, damn NIL, because <laughs> it's like working in a different direction. You know, it, you know, it gives and it takes. You know, That's what you got to take from these new college rules. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but I will say, 
I get why he transferred now and put his name in there now instead of before because he was injured. And he's he's a graduate transfer for two couple things. He was waiting to graduate, on track to graduate, so he could be a graduate transfer. That's the main reason because he already used his uh, transfer portal before, so he couldn't do it again. Only a graduate transfer, you can use you can do that. However, um, so he had that on track, but the other thing is he was injured. So teams also don't want to waste a scholarship on a player, even though he might be talented if he's injured, especially just for one year, because they don't want to take a risk to give a, a player that's going to be injured a, a scholarship. But with that being said, he waited now. He had a great game. He, you know, he's got all these video clips. Everybody's like hyping him up. He looks great. He looks like a superstar. Perfect time now to transfer to showcase himself to other teams. Yeah, and, and I understand that. And, you know, it's really – it'd be interesting to understand the dynamic between him and Gus during this process, you know. Like, how quickly did he know he was going to transfer? Did Gus know that he was going to transfer? Uh, you know, because actions, I think, speak louder than words. And, and he was getting starters reps out there at the spring game and all spring. And, you know, I, I don't know if you do that. with the We do have depth at wide receiver. I do feel that way. But, you know, maybe he wants to give some of those reps to some of the other people. But, you know, I, I will also say uh, I, I do completely understand why someone in his position might consider a transfer. And, and that's why I even say, you know, I thought maybe he would consider one before the spring even started just because of the fact that the offense changed. You know, he originally went to Oklahoma and everybody knows that Lincoln Riley offense at Oklahoma was designed to showcase wide receivers then he transfers to UCF under Josh Heupel, who runs a very similar air raid offense that requires four wide receivers on the field. Very likely that three wide receivers in any given year in a Heupel offense are going to have over a thousand yards. So if I'm a receiver and I know that kind of opportunity is out there and then we change to a more running type coach, are, are we cutting our pass attempts in half? And if we are, are we lowering my opportunities uh, you know, so I'm assuming as he's moving into his last year, he is considering all of that. And I would bet we see him at an offense like that, which wouldn't surprise me if he ended up at somewhere like Tennessee, which I know would make a lot of fans pretty angry. But again, given everything I just said, it, it would make sense. And you even said, you know, the portal can give and it can take. And, you know, it, it's hard to be angry about him going with Hypel who originally recruited him to UCF, given how happy we are that Kobe Hudson is here from Auburn because of Gus Malzahn. So, it, again, it's just a new world of college football. I think overall it's a good thing, but things like this are going to happen. Um, having said that, though, he had an amazing spring game, three receptions, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, we'll certainly miss him. Uh, I know we were sitting there saying it while we were watching the spring game. Like, man, this is going to be so exciting. Um but having said that, I'm really excited when we get into talking about the spring game to go into the rest of the receiving core that we have because I think it's really deep, and I think that, you know, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, sounds good. Well, let's change it up. Let's talk about some recruiting. Latest on recruits to commit. I'm just going down. Uh, Dylan Risk just committed, actually. Uh, QB from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Three-star uh, quarterback, but... Kind of a surprise. I knew that he came to visit uh, previously, but I uh, really thought we were going after Malachi Singleton. Um, he's a UCF legacy, and that's what I thought we were going for, but things have changed up from what we're hearing. He's going to go to Arkansas. 
So I think UCF kind of read the tea leaves and moved on. And this is who they wanted, Dylan Risk. Might have been the number one option, so who knows. Yeah, you know, I remember seeing him, uh, you know, as a potential possibility slightly. But you're absolutely right that the the fan base, for the most part, was, was hanging their hat on Malachi Singleton. It seemed like, considering, you know, his mother had gone to UCF, like maybe that would be the choice. Uh, ultimately, it sounds like it's coming down to UCF and Arkansas. And, um, you know, it, it, just based on what we're seeing um, out there, the, the rumors are placing him at Arkansas. So... Uh, but having said that, Dylan Rizek, I think, is going to be a really, really good option. Um, you know, he's a rising player. It was his first year starting this past year as a junior, and he passed for over 2,000 yards. Still had a rushing element to his game, uh, which is what I would expect out of any Gus Malzahn quarterback. He looks the part. He's over six feet tall. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you got a guy that has a lot of tools that, that can grow, and, you know, Gus is going to take at least one one quarterback prospect in in each one of his recruiting classes so uh you know it's gonna be interesting to see uh how he performs in his senior year this could end up looking like a steal yeah and i want to just add to that you know gus likes to recruit leaders and this guy played for one of the top high schools in the state of florida carnal gibson out of fort lauderdale and this guy he led that team to the playoffs you know he's gonna go to senior year there's a lot of hype about him actually so, yeah, right now he's a three-star, but he can end up being a four-star quarterback after the senior season. So, really excited for this upcoming season. Hopefully, we can catch some games of him and see how he does. Definitely. Um, you know, and in addition to him, we, we're seeing a lot of good recruiting news uh, over the last, uh, you know, week or so. We've had three other recruits commit to UCF. Uh, an offensive tackle, Jamal Merriweather, uh, you know, a 6'6", offensive tackle we have javante connor a tight end um from east forsyth uh he could end up looking like a, a steal uh at the at the tight end position he i just plays. want to, i just want to add something about yeah. him he definitely looks like steel he was our top tight end target uh first of all if you pay attention to like when the players put their top rankings out this guy had uh you know all really really good schools you would think that would be they're probably the weakest schools probably maryland on there and with that being said, he chose to over FSU and these other SEC programs that come to UCF. But the interesting tidbit about him is he's actually from Alabama. And he is a Auburn, growing up as a kid, was his number of school he liked. And he's a huge Gus Malzahn fan. So he actually said it was kind of like a dream come true to finally get to meet Gus at UCF. So hopefully uh, that played a part. You know, good old Gus. You know, bring it. Uh, another exciting news, even though he's from North Carolina, this is our first kid from Alabama, actually out of high school because there's been a last year we kind of got a heartbroken by a lot of kids we thought would come from alabama that didn't come but hey hopefully uh this kid will start a trend definitely definitely this guy is is more of a wide receiver uh playing tight end which you know he he said in an interview after he committed uh you know and i think that's gonna be really interesting having a big body tight end like him that can catch that that can run down the seam how that looks in the gus offense could be pretty exciting um, you know, and then the the latest recruit from the spring game that was really exciting was the four-star defensive end, Isaiah Nixon, from Lakewood. Uh, that is a huge commitment. Uh, when you pair it with the Apopka defensive end, uh, Kaven Call, another four-star, you have two bookends coming in on this, tra- on this uh, recruiting class here in 2023 that could really help anchor our future D-line going into the Big 12. Uh, very exciting. You know, football is obviously a game that – 
is one in the trenches, and uh, it looks like they're really focusing on that in this recruiting class. Absolutely, 100%. It's all about the trenches on the O-line and the D-line. I mean, that's the real teams. I mean, they got they got their boys in the trenches, and that's what we're loading up on. So considering how exciting this recruiting continues to be, um, you know, as I said at the top of the show, it's it, it's something that I feel like every time we get together, it's just more good news, and we're raising the bar even higher for where UCF can be. Um, you know, today, after the latest commitments uh, by – uh, the quarterback commit, uh, Dylan Rissick, we are now on 247. I know it's extremely early, uh, way too early for this to move. Who cares if much. it's early? Go but, ahead. But we are number 19 in the country in recruiting rankings. and I'll, I'll take that news all day. Come on, you know, man. That's the best ranking we've ever had. I don't care if it's too early. <laughs> absolutely. And it's, it's really showing what Gus has been capable of doing. Let's and, go. And, and so then I have to ask, can we have a top 25 recruiting class? I think this is the year, baby. I think this is it. You know, Gus, we trust, man. Gus Bus has, uh, you know, he's he came up, said he was going to do this. He said he was going to recruit like his hair was on fire. He said he was going to put fences around the state of Florida, fences around Orlando. He's doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I'm seeing all these national writers talk about it now, and they're saying uh, the strategy is working. UC, UCF selling the players, Gus and UCF and the coaches, on why – because think – I'm going off topic a little bit here, but it's on topic. We've the state of Florida has lost so many players to so all these teams all over the country that you know a lot of them sometimes want to come back because they're homesick because you know they're not even from, for example, like uh, Minnesota, but they're going up there because it's a Big Ten school and they got an offer to go up there, but the family can't see them play unless it's on TV, and you know they get homesick. So now. Um, they don't have to do that. They don't even have to go to Minnesota to play. They can play right here in Florida. Come on, Orlando, it's central Florida. Anywhere in Florida, it's easy to get to here. And now they get to play for a big-time program. We're going into the Big 12. Why not pick UCF over these other – I mean, look, I get it. If Alabama gives you an offer or want a big-time historical program, sure, I get it. Clemson, that's going to – you know, we're going to have our challenges. We're going to win some of those battles, but I, I, could get, I get the player maybe wanting to go there because those schools have a history – Currently. But what I don't get is when we lose players to um, Virginia or Wake Forest or, you know, I mean, name it, Kansas. You know, we're losing players to Minnesota. You know, like, come on, man. We got the – I think, in my opinion, it's Texas, Florida, California are known for the top three states of recruiting, and obviously Georgia does really well. These players, it's better for them to stay home. You know, now they have the opportunity to do that. So that's my two cents. So – I mean, I think something we were talking about earlier is, and you said it, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And this just shows that we're going to be a national program because you got to have a top 25. And you got you got to have better than a top 25, but you really got to have at least a top 25 to be a top program in this country. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you make a great point that, you know, the, we're not necessarily uh, competing with Alabama or a Clemson or Ohio State or some of these really blue blood uh, programs that are competing for national championships yet. So, but really, all we're really trying to do is keep these guys home instead of the lower level Power Five, and and it's that Power Five distinction that has kind of held us back a little bit over the years in these recruiting battles. Um, you know, it. I think the fact that we're going to the Big Twelve and now the message is. We're power five just like them. 
you're we're going to be in the same conference as Kansas, as Ohio or as Iowa State, you know, as Oklahoma State, as um, you know, Baylor. So some of those schools could previously say we're in a better conference, you should come play here and now they can't say that. And so players are going to consider staying home and Gus is building a a real world-class program, which is I think, you know, the sky's the limit with that kind of culture that he's building. So having said that, recruiting is continuing. Um, as always, uh, Gus never never stops uh, re- recruiting and, and really trying to build out his classes. So we had a, a lot of guys visit. Um, you know, most notably, um, we had another defensive end from Wakaiva Sincere Edwards visit. Uh, Aiden Mizell, a wide receiver from Boone here in Orlando, again, uh, you know, stay home uh, is is the message to recruits in the area. Malik Bryant, a defensive end from Jones, five star. That's a five star uh, prospect who uh, is definitely being heavily recruited by UCF. Would be a massive, massive win if we could uh, keep him home. If we could keep him home again, Jones. Uh, you know, Orlando. Uh, and real then quick, Burton. real quick, and I just want to say there is a chance. Some people think there's not a chance, but look, Malik Bryant went to IMG. Um, this pretty much powerhouse high school football private program that pumps out pretty much top top 50 players in the country as well as pumps future NFL players. And he was going there. And he could have stayed there and kept shining because that program has a lot of attention, IMG Academy. However, he wanted to represent for Orlando, and he wanted to come back to his home school. And he came back to Jones High School to, to help put Jones on the map from his perspective and you know, represent. So if he's got that love for Central Florida and he wants to represent, obviously UCF's where it's at. Agreed. And and that's that's again, you know, that, that fits that that hometown hero, stay home, stay at Central Florida message that, that uh this coaching staff has really played out. So very, very exciting. Oh yeah, and another player that was there that I was super excited about. I mean, I've been uh he he knows, man, he knows I've been supporting him, big fan of him, Braden Marshall. You know, I remember when, um, you know, he mentioned early on when he was a sophomore that, you know, where he would like to go to. So he's been, and he mentioned UCF. He mentioned some other schools, but UCF was in his top three of potential schools he was hoping to go to. And uh, he finally got his offer recently, and we're excited that he got it, the people that have been seeing him. Because in my opinion, I know uh, Nikai Martinez was the best DB last year. I think Braden Marshall's the best DB this year coming into being a senior. So, uh, he's only 5'10", and I think uh, maybe 5'10", 5'11", so that might be discouraging the offer because I think a lot of programs like to go six foot at least or higher, but this guy's a ball hawk. He's smart, talented player, so I would love to see him come to UCF. Definitely. Uh, By the way, he went to Lake, he's going to Lake Mary High School. I didn't mention that. Yep, my bad, Sean. Go ahead. Oh, no, absolutely. It's uh, a lot of a lot of players that were, that were here at the spring game that uh, we can be excited about. Um, the, the recruiting is going really well and it's exciting. Um, but speaking of the spring game, uh, that, that was the main event this last week, really the culmination of all of the hard work by the team throughout all of the spring practices. Uh, they get to come out and, and show out for the fans, uh, show the progress. Uh, so we can see some of, uh, some of what they've been working on. Um, had a great time. Uh, what'd you, what'd you think, Tony? I had a great time. It was actually one of the funnest spring games I've ever gone to at UCF. And I know you made a joke about that. Well, if you went to those O'Leary games. <laughs> but, hey, man, you know, uh, O'Leary loves some defense, so I get it, those low-scoring games. But this was a more fun uh, uh, offensive 
oriented game. And we'll get into that screen offense soon. You want to go shoot about that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, I think to your point, I mean, uh, the score being 38-17, offense was the, the name of the game for, for sure. Um, you know, you really got to showcase the, the two main quarterbacks that are battling, uh, Mikey Keene and, and John Reese Plumlee. They, uh, they both really put on a show, um, you know, and, and that led to a lot of offense, seven total touchdowns between them. Um, you know, and then the thing I noticed about the offense in particular that, uh, was how many screen passes, uh, were in the game, you know, and it really shows that for a majority of the time, probably at least 75% of the time, we're going to be running the ball or running a screen, uh, a really high percentage plays. But the the thing about it is they were, they were working and, you know, obviously the defense is new and maybe the positioning isn't great, obviously very early, but, uh, if we're this dangerous in kind of a high efficiency game like that, and we can pull off 10, 15, a pop, and then get a couple long plays like it was showing. I mean, sky's the limit this season. And and speaking of the offense, uh, you know, some of the, the key standouts, and I think the biggest thing we talked about from a position battle perspective were, were the quarterbacks. Uh, I think all eyes were going to be on that. Everybody knows that the quarterback position isn't settled. So the, I think the guy that I've mentioned as the guy that can really come in and take that starting job, John Reese Plumlee, he looked great. I mean, he had four touchdowns. He was 11 of 15, 73% completion percentage, 189 yards. He had, I think the biggest thing that everybody wondered coming into the game is, can he throw the ball consistently? Everybody knows he's fast, and he can he can definitely run the option that, that Gus wants. Um, but can he throw the ball? If, if he can't throw the ball, then Keen is going to have to have a massive role in this offense no matter what. If Plumlee was going to win the job, he had to prove that he could pass. And he had touchdowns of 44 and 57 yards. He had a touchdown right in the corner of the end zone that showed a really good touch and ball placement. It's clear that he can he can pass. So this fall is going to be really interesting because he also had some some really nice runs. And, and at the end of the day, yes, it was, you know, he can't be tackled, but he it's considered down when he's touched. And there was a couple runs where he's 10 yards down the field before he's even being touched because of his speed. So, uh, I don't know. It's going to be tough. Not to say Keen had a bad day. I thought he played pretty well, too. Yeah, but just to add on JRP, one of those runs you were talking about we were watching, that you said it. Like, after he did it, you're like, yeah, if that was a real game, he still would have got that touchdown. So, meaning it wasn't just because it was a spring game. He just kind of – his speed just blew the defense by. So, I don't think they could have put two hands on him if they wanted to. On that play, one of those plays that you're talking about for Ronnie. Yeah, you know, I still think it's Mikey Keene's job to lose, but it is uh, it's a closer race than I would have thought before the spring game. I mean, it's going down to the wire to the fall. I mean, Coach Gus already said he hasn't made a decision. He said, uh, you know, the competition brings the best out of everybody, and we're going to see how it goes down to the wire. But Mikey Keene had a great game. He had three touchdowns. He threw a bomb 70 yards. So unfortunately, our uh, Jalen Robinson is going to be transferring. Uh, but, yeah, regardless, that was a beautiful touchdown that he threw. And he looked really good out there. He definitely, you could see he put on the muscle. He looks faster, stronger, smarter. So I still think, you know, if I'm a betting man on it, I still think King is going to start. But I think JRP is going to be a mix. I mean, look what Joey Gatewood did last year. He took a lot of reps away from Mikey King to run some plays. But JRP will definitely have more playing time than Joey Gatewood, I would think. Um, so they'll probably share, unless Keen 
definitely takes it to another level, and he still has time. Uh, we've always talked about Mackenzie Milton and DG stepping up on their sophomore year, so Keen does still have that time to do that. So if he does, there we go, you know? Absolutely. He had a he had a great game. I mean, he still completed 75% of his passes in this game, which is, you know, really good. I think, you know, there, there were a few times um, where, uh, you know, the, the pass rush got through a little bit and he wasn't really able to kind of escape again, uh, couldn't be tackled. But, um, you know, so I think that that's that's maybe a little bit of his drawback. But you can tell he's the one that's the most comfortable in, in the scheme of the offense because of the fact that he's uh, been in it. He played in it for a year, and so he, he's definitely going to have a leg up. So how how quickly can Plumlee close the gap in from, from that perspective, from being comfortable in the offense? We'll talk about closing the gap. Thomas Castellano, he's definitely the third quarterback. Even though he's mm-hmm. a true freshman, he's already the third quarterback on the depth chart. I mean, this kid, he can run. He can throw. He's very athletic. I mean, but you could tell that he still needs uh, more experience. He still needs to... I guess, learn from the game. High school and college football is a different, you know, a different speed, and he's got to, like, let the game slow down to him. So, but sky's the limit for him, and we're in, we got a good future as long as we can keep him and he doesn't transfer out. Uh, we're pretty much, I think, set for the next couple of years at quarterback. Also, uh, you know, with Parker Navarro being gone, Thomas Castellano's guaranteed the third quarterback on the depth chart, and we still got that preferred walk-on, uh, David Widner from Coco. Yep, from Coco. So uh, actually, uh, you said a funny story that uh, that they potentially might have played uh, Carson um, Cardinal Gibson in the playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, they played uh, Cardinal Gibbons in uh, Coco. Played Cardinal Gibbons. Coco being uh, David Widner's uh, former school. So uh, yeah, they they competed in the playoffs. Yeah, could mean uh, that that both quarterbacks in that playoff game will be playing for UCF at some point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're in good shape at, at the quarterback position, um, you know, and uh, I think that's good. Depth is good. Obviously, last year proved that, you know, on any given play, your your starter can get injured, and, and when that happens, it's, it's not a bad thing to have a deep quarterback room. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if we had another quarterback, uh, maybe a graduate transfer just to have for depth for the team. Maybe, especially with Parker Navarro transferring, that definitely – wouldn't be out of the question. Um, uh, moving on to to another position that was one to watch, especially now with uh, with Jay Flash transferring uh, the wide receivers. But I think, and, and this is what makes me comfortable about the wide receiver position, even though he did transfer, uh, he's a loss. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie about that. Again, he had an amazing spring game too, and and could be a starter on any college football team really. But we have Kobe Hudson. He had he had. Five receptions, 112 yards, two touchdowns. We have Amari Johnson, four receptions, 66 yards, two touchdowns. We had Jalen Griffin, who clearly looks the part like he can start, and he had an amazing uh, over-the-shoulder catch on the sideline, um, you know, early in the spring game. And it was clear that the coaches trust him, and a lot of the reports coming out of the spring are that he's really good. And all these guys were already going to have to compete to get on the field. I mean, were any of them uh, standouts to you? All of them. All the wide receivers were standouts. Every single one of them. I mean, I think I mentioned it to you. Every time Kobe Hudson touched the ball, I was like, this guy's a star. This guy's a stud. I mean, I just kept, I had nothing but positive stuff to say about him. Uh, like, he's guaranteed. He's a guaranteed starter. I, so, 
yeah, I mean, honestly, Jay Flash leaving, guess what? You just gave Kobe Hudson your, you know, you guaranteed him on the, me on the two, two on the depth chart for UCF on the wide receiver. But yeah, um, Deontay Marks is another player that transferred from UF a couple years ago. He's unfortunately had injuries the last couple of seasons. But man, he had an amazing play. Uh, you know, caught the ball, juked a bunch of players. I mean, he, he looked really good. Um, you know, I haven't forgot about him. I do think, you know, he's just been waiting for the opportunity. Again, thanks, Jay Flash. You just gave Deontay Marks opportunity. Same thing with Jalen Griffin. He's just been waiting for his chance. And these guys have been studying the playbook. These guys are talented players. They just haven't had a chance to come up the depth chart. Obviously, UCF's always had a lot of talent in this department. Uh, another player that we're, no, we can't forget. You know, come on, UCF Fan Nation. Everyone was super excited when Jordan Johnson committed to UCF. You know, our first uh, four or five-star wide receiver at the time. We were so hyped. Um, you know, I guess he's had some, he needed a whole season to learn the playbook, you know, obviously get better concentration on catching the ball, but he's that tall wide receiver that we need, just like Jalen Griffin. We need those tall wide receivers for those out routes to throw it over in the corner, over the corners. So those are the type of wide receivers you need. You do need those different options. So um, I know, I think Jalen Griffin has got a little bit of, step above him but i'm not forgetting about jordan johnson who knows he might step up he looked good in the spring game as well they all look good all the wide receivers even uh stefan martin or steven martin sorry if i pronounced his first name wrong he even caught a touchdown in the corner so i mean we're like like every single one of our wide receivers got touches and they all looked good you know and i think that's that's really true that you know there's definitely a, a part of the fan base that is you know really worried that okay we've got uh, really thin depth and a lot of unproven players without Jalen Robinson. But, you know, you're absolutely right. How are we going to be excited about Deontay Marks transferring here and Jordan Johnson transferring here and, you know, Jalen Griffin looking good and all that and and not look at the depth chart and realize that there's not a lot of room to get all of these talented guys on the field. You know, and going back to why Jalen Robinson might consider transferring to go to an offense that's going to showcase more wide receivers, right? That's They're going to run more four wide receiver, five wide receiver sets. In those sets, you're guaranteed to get playing time for a larger group of receivers. And when you look at a Gus Malzahn offense that's going to want to run the ball, that's going to not pass the ball as much, again, nothing wrong with that. It's just a different style. And most of the time, we're probably only going to have three wide receivers on the field. And there's going to be times we only have two wide receivers on the field because we're adding extra tight ends to run the ball. And so when you look at that and we have uh, Ryan O'Keefe and Jalen Griffin and you start going down that depth chart of Kobe Hudson, Amari Johnson, how are you going to get all these guys on the field even without Jay Flash? So... I think we're in an amazing spot from a receiver perspective. We're super deep. It's uh, and the spring game showed that to me. Yeah, and just want to piggyback on that comment you brought up about tight ends. Keymore Gamble looked great in the spring game. I mean, he looks like an NFL prospect. He's going to destroy the AAC at tight end. The guy's super talented. He just didn't have a really good quarterback at UF to give him the ball. So super excited about him. Talk about waiting in line. He had to wait in his line at UF. Now he's going to be, he's going to have, he doesn't have to wait for anybody now. He's the main guy at tight end. Alex Holler had a really good spring game as well. So it's good to have him on the depth chart as well, backing up Keymore Gamble. So we're set at tight end. But another, another uh, department, the running backs. I mean, wow. I like them all. Every single one. They were all standouts. They all looked good. 
that's another position that you know I'm really hoping that nobody transfers because again, uh, how many guys can get on the field? And uh, you know, Bowser uh, didn't participate in the spring game because again, and I totally agree, the coaching staff is re- really helping him pre- helping him prepare his body for the next level and they're treating him more like a pro so he had a lot more time off during the during the spring he uh did a lot more you know stretching yoga based activities uh and then he didn't have to participate in the hitting of the spring game really to keep his body fresh obviously we all know he dealt with a lot of injuries last year but how different our offense was when he was available uh, having said that, though, I think we're a lot deeper at running back this year than we were last year. Obviously, Johnny Richardson has experience. He looked amazing in the spring game. And Mark Anthony Richards also looked really, really good. I mean, uh, you know, both of them had uh, some really great moments, both running and catching in this spring game. And it, it makes me really excited for the potential of having all three of uh, those two and Bowser on the field. Yeah, those pretty much are ABC. Well, Bowser, Johnny Richardson, and Mark Anthony Richards as one, two, three. I think for sure when it comes to like starters. However, man, we are looking good for the future of UCF football. So don't worry about running backs. Uh, knock on wood. Hopefully, none of these guys transfer. But Anthony Williams came out of Lake Brantley High School. Man, he looked he looked good at the spring game, and his body's guy. I mean, he was always a big a big running back. Uh, bruiser type running back but he looked good it was good to see him get some playing time so we got him waiting in the wings now and uh another player waiting in the wings coming out of shadows like batman you know this dude is swole is jordan mcdonald's man i mean this guy is 18 years old he's standing next to isaiah bowser yeah you see that picture I, I saw it on the field. I mean, I can see it from the stands. I, didn't, I don't need to see a picture. I saw it with my own eyes. I mean, I think we pointed it out. Like, there was a – it was him. And actually, was it was it Kimor Gamble? Oh, no, it was Alex Heller. He was right. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was, like, he was standing next to a tight end, and he looked bigger than the tight end, and he looked just as big as Isaiah Bowser. Yeah, UCF uh, Yeah, UCF tweeted out a picture of the running backs after the spring game, and they're all standing next to each other. You know, they've got their arms around each other. And uh, that was the first thing I noticed is Jordan McDonald's sitting there, standing next to Bowser, and they're the same size. And I'm like, dude, this kid should still be in high school right now, and that's yeah. what he looks like. I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to see a lot of time on the field, but I could be wrong because he's got a whole summer to get, get even – more he's gonna be in the weight room all summer in a college program compared to a high school weight room uh i mean what's he gonna look like come august Whew. yeah i kind of want to like treat him like a pro and save him for the future <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah absolutely but uh but we're stacked man we're stacked at running back and and the thing i think it's good in this offense because you know we could probably have multiple uh, uh running backs on the field at the same time um, you know, and run different misdirections. Uh, you know, we obviously having the option, maybe line up uh, Johnny Richardson in the slot, have him come through, fake handoff, give to Bowser kind of stuff, Having using their different strengths to kind of throw the defense off balance. I mean, so many possibilities, and we've seen it in Gus's offenses. That's how he wants to do it. Um, I think we're going to really see the, the benefits of how he likes to play football this year with, with this kind of roster. Yeah, and these are his players. These are the ones he's recruiting. Now, not to make it all about the offense, um, you know, even though the spring game, uh, I think the rules favor the offense, um, you know, make it a little 
uh, easier for the offense to kind of gel faster and, and really put up some points. Having said that, though, the defense, I think, overall had a good day uh, considering those constraints. Um, you know, the, the team did have 12 sacks, um, which was led by, I think, an unlikely uh, defensive end choice there in Landon Woodson. Um, what did you think? Did you see him coming out of here having three sacks? I mean, he's got the experience, and that's what people got to remember. Like, every year a player develops more, has more experience. So once they it all – the game slows down for them, the opportunity's there. So, yeah, I'm not shocked. I mean, he's definitely a, a senior. So he's been with the program many, many years. And, yeah, I'm not shocked. That's, I guess, what I would say. Yeah, I think, um, you know, he has an opportunity to really fill the role that Big Cat Bryant had last year. Um, you know, I think that was a big question coming into the offseason is, uh, you know, Big Cat had a huge impact on the team last year. And how are we going to replace that? And we all knew that Trayvon Morris Brash is going to be a great option there. Josh Seliscar is going to be another one that's a really good option there. Uh, we had transfer Katie McDaniel come in. And, you know, we, you know, but obviously he's a little bit unproven in terms of UCF. Obviously he had a good season last year, but, you know, he's still an unknown coming into the year. So, it's good to see a player like Landon Woodson step up here and do this because it shows that we can have depth along the defensive line, and that kind of depth will only help maintain a pass rush throughout the season, uh, which is extremely important. Yeah, I think we're good at D-line. I wouldn't worry about that UCF Fan Nation. Um, even if we have some injuries, we do have some depth in that mm-hmm. position department. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the, the fact that linebacker doesn't have a lot of depth, but defensive line definitely has depth. But you know another position that has some depth is, uh, is our secondary. You know, I think specifically when you talk about cornerback, uh, you talk about some of the guys that maybe haven't seen the field uh, that might 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 have an opportunity this year to do that. Uh, we saw that in the spring game with Jaden Francois getting an interception of Mikey Keene at the at the goal line. He's a guy that transferred from uh, Nebraska, but due to some eligibility eligibility issues, he wasn't able to play right away. Thanks a lot, Scott, for us. And so the fact that he wasn't able to play. I think he's probably been put maybe on the back burner in UCF fans' minds, but he reminded everyone, hey, I could be a factor uh, by, by getting this interception in the spring game. I'm glad to see it. I mean, this guy was a four-star DB from South Florida that we were all pumped up about. And like I said, thanks to Scott Frost, he wasn't able to play for us during a COVID season, but that got to, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, Jaden Francois, last year I thought he was going to play. I get some playing time. And he didn't get to play last year. So it was nice to see him do this because, like you mentioned to me, he actually has zero stats. He has no college football experience. And i uh, been waiting to see something out of him. So it was really nice to see this interception in a spring game because it just – I feel like it opens the door. Hopefully that he's going to have a better year this year and we're going to see him play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and like I said, uh, we're deep. I mean, we saw Corey Thornton. He looked great. He, he looked like he'd been in the weight room. He looked like a guy that could really come out this year being one of the more experienced players to have a, a really good year. Uh, you know, Devon Wilson is back, who had a great year last year himself in the secondary. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at a team that, that, I mean, could really make some noise um, as we've been discussing. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to piggyback on that with Corey Thornton. I mean, this guy is a true junior. 247 said his freshman year that he was All-American coming into the season. Uh, freshman All-American. And he's just been... I, I want to, you know, say something about him. Because I remember when that season, the COVID season, and we lost to B 
BYU, everyone's trashing the defense and this guy's and this and that. But we had the true freshmen those years, and that was Corey Thorin, Devontae Brown, and Justin Hodges, I think, as well was a freshman. And those three guys are studs now. And But they've had three years of experience with true juniors, and that's the thing. Sometimes you have to you have to pay a price. Yeah, our defense wasn't that great a couple years back, but they're looking they're looking the part now. We are deep. We're deep, and it's because of that it paid dividends to give them playing time. So good decision back then. Um, so they look good. All the guys I mentioned look good. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, Kobe Perry looked great. Unfortunately, he had an injury. Um, we talked to him. He looks like. Um, if, according to him, he feels good. He feels like he's going to play. He's going to be ready for the season, so no worries there. He's obviously going to rehabilitate himself and go into with the training program. But, yeah, Kobe Perry looked legit like he's going to be a starter for us. Who am I missing on the Divas? We're just so deep at DV. Um, yeah, I think we, we got Ooh, most of the main Brandon guys, Adams right? looked really oh, good. Oh, Brandon Adams? Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. True he, freshman he last really year. Good. Now he's a sophomore. And William Wells as well. William Wells looked good. He was a true freshman last year. Uh, I think they redshirted him, if I'm not mistaken. They could have kept playing him, but they just redshirted him to save him a season. Justin Hodges? Oh, yeah, Justin Hodges for sure. They're talking about Justin Hodges is going to play the night position because, I mean, I mean he was he was coming in hard, hitting like a linebacker, cutting. I mean, Justin Hodges looks really good as well. Yeah, you're two under Travis Williams, uh, similar to the offense. Year two under Travis Williams, I think, could be exciting. And and to be honest with you, I think at the end of last season, the defense was really carrying the team in a lot of these games while the offense was having trouble. And I think there were a lot of reasons for the offense to be having trouble given the injuries at wide receiver, running back, offensive line, quarterback. I mean, pretty much every level of the offense had injuries. If this year we can come in healthy on the offense and look like we did, but year two under Travis Williams on the defense, they play the way that they play. We can win every game that we play. And so it's really a matter of, you know, can we can we stay consistent? So I got to ask you, like after the spring game, what are your thoughts now, expectations for the team now? Because you've seen the spring game. You've seen a lot of the roster. You were there live in person. I mean, my expectation, I mean, I, I think they could go undefeated. I really do. Woo. And, um, you know, obviously that's super, super difficult to even say. Um, you know, teams don't just go undefeated like that. Uh, so I would say my expectation, you know, it would be disappointing if uh, if they lost more than more than two games. Truthfully, I'd be a little disappointed if they lost more than one game. I mean, looking at the schedule, the way it stacks up, if we get experience at quarterback and, and everyone knows what they're doing, knows the playbook, I mean – this this team sky's the limit. We should be we should be we should be competing for that conference championship this year, no question in my mind. Well, uh, let's see. I think there's one other thing we want to uh, address at the spring game that I don't think we've brought up is uh, you know uh, a little divisive I think, but definitely drew a lot of attention. Uh, QR codes on the back no. of the jerseys <laughs> at the spring game. I think we need to uh, I think we need to uh, address the the different uh, different viewpoints. On those QR codes, how did how did you like them? Yeah, I like the QR codes. You know, I know the players liked it. Coach Gus liked it. That means I like it as well. You know, so what the players like, I like. I want to support them. They get to show their uh, their social media um, links through that, and you know, hopefully they have some merchandise you can purchase from them. So good for them. 
But uh, it's cool. Like, it put UCF on the map that day all morning long. All the national media outlets were talking about the QBR codes at UCF. You know, it was good Good news. I mean, good or bad news is still news. As they say, is good news, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I guess any any press is good press, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how you yeah. say it. Any press is good press. Sorry about it. Thanks now, for that. Now, I, I, I will say this, though. Uh, you know, I think – look, I think anybody can, can make fun of the – way that it might have been um you know delivered like of course you're not gonna be able to read someone's qr code from the stands but i think context makes sense in this in this case if you're at the spring game you you knew that ucf was putting up the players qr codes on the big video board so you could do it that way also we saw it plenty of times on the field after the game all the players stayed on the field and they invited the fans to come take pictures get autographs do whatever with the with the players and Players were turning around and fans were getting a, a full image of that QR code. Now think about every single player on the field there had the opportunity to engage with the fan base and have them actually use that QR code. So sure, the, you can make fun of it, but it actually worked in, in, in my opinion. And so if it's going to work from that perspective, and UCF is trying to be progressive. They're the future of college football. That's the entire branding they've had over the last year is that they're the future of college football. So maybe it doesn't always land 100% perfectly, but they're trying it. How many other schools would have tried it? So I I think it's great. I'm glad they were able to do it. Yeah, 100%. So uh, having said that, uh, you know, that, that will close it out for the Nightcap podcast. Uh, you know, we'll be back uh, over the coming weeks with even more news, mostly recruiting as we get through the off offseason. Uh, but tonight I want to pass it over to our producer, uh, Scott, for the Toast of the Nightcap. Scott? Thank you, Sean. This week's Toast of the Nightcap goes to Guillermo Cummings, a proud member of Night Nation and beloved father of our brother Tony. Guillermo passed on March 21st. Our love and support are with Tony and his family, Night Nation, raise a glass in his honor, and please consider donating to further support Parkinson's research at parkinsoncf.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening to the Nightcap Podcast. Please give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at UCF Nightcap.